This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Netflix, bitch. Gas prices are going up. So guess what? Our price is going up. If you don't like it, deal with it. Guess what? Netflix, skank. This is Coach O, baby. Coach Ed Ogeron, Ellison, you Tigers. And you listen to that there sports anchor, on the anchor or whatever about that, uh, that, that internet. You know, you press that button and boom, make a podcast and all. And, uh, you know, Coach O pissed off about the damn... And goddamn referees and that that LSU game, baby. The last few minutes, that was bullshit. It, you know, they they was real real dumb with it. They, you know, I mean, they called fouls that weren't fouls. They they were they, they're being unfair and biased. You know, I guess they don't like Cajuns or something, baby. I don't know. But uh, you know, I think it's all bullshit. And uh, you know, I don't like that Zoom. You know, I mean, Coach O likes to go sit in the room with the family and have the gumbo and be like, hey, baby, I want your boy to come play with me. I'm Coach O, bitch. Come on. We're going we gonna to go duck hunting together, and we're going to go out in the airboat. We're going to get crunk. We're going to shoot the shotgun, drink beer, you know, carry on, all that. I'm going to see if I want your boy to come play with me. He's going to get a good scholarship and everything. And, uh, you know, that, that boy, uh, Belts, you know, he's the reason why you got to be real careful about putting them cats on a plane. He got that crazy-ass cat that some bitch come attack you and all that. Like, my, my cat, Nene, she all right. You know, I got a little, little pet carrier, and they, they put him in, um, they got specials called a... Uh, First class cargo babies pressurized for them pets and everything, but um, not his cat. That's some bitch crazy. Uh, no, no, no bobcats either, baby, because they get all wild. Maybe they can run in the cockpit and cause an accident. I'm Coach O. Go Tigers. Warm it all up. Everything you got. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 41. I'm your host, Danny Belts, the triple C, parentheses, corruption, cover-up, catastrophe. Oh, yes. We're getting into cats on a plane. You heard me? Funny story about a cat on a plane. Unbelievable. It just sets the, sets the tone for where we are in society today. It's just absolutely absurd. We're going to be talking about the 2014 Little League World Series, Jackie Robinson West team. I don't know if you remember that, but that's going to tie into the title of this, and then we'll tie that into the media. Uh, this the racially driven insanity we have to deal with. It is just getting way too much. We'll have NCAA tournament picks. Went four for five last week. We almost went five for five. LSU got jobs. Be sure and check the Sports Anload Instagram page for our picks. Should have went five for five. Bro Exotic comes on to talk about his take on the cat on the plane. And then Tommy Bench will back clean up, talking about a former teacher of ours in high school Facebook post. Opens up interesting thoughts on COVID reinfection, Cuomo, and the George Floyd jury selection. There is a lot going on here. Dickie Salvo is sick, so in his stead, I'll try to be swinging uh, for him. He's a lot better than me at college basketball. But nonetheless, the show must go on now, correct? Let's just dive. Well, before we get in here, be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. We've had a great run the last few weeks as we're kind of shifting directions, not totally getting away from sports, but just focusing on the insanity that happens in our media on an hourly basis. It is absolutely ridiculous. I'm almost positive that 90-something percent of everyone would just agree that, yeah, they're driven by incentive, uh, subjective, ridiculous things being reported, and we'll get into that in both the sports and in real life as we have guests coming on to back those up as well. Cats on a plane. I am on a flight yesterday, and I am telling you this story with zero fabrication. I am sitting 
in business class. Moving on up. That's right. I fly so much now. They moved up to business class. I am almost, almost getting a piece of that pie. One seat behind first class. I am on the first seat coming in on the left on the aisle, sitting next to some quant, talking to him about some Ivy League genius. He's talking about all this stuff. And he's a millennial, but I, he didn't seem to be too woken. So I humored his conversation. I'm kidding. We're having a great conversation. And we're about to close the plane and, 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 and get out of here. And I'm actually looking forward to talking to this dude because he had a lot of interesting perspectives on things. He's Middle Eastern of Middle Eastern descent um, and just a brilliant mind. I mean, you could tell that within two or three minutes, probably in his mid-20s. And right before the door closes, this lady comes in with a cat the size of a watermelon. And this dude's eyes light up, get the size of silver dollars, and he says, I'm deadly allergic to cats. And I was like, well, we're going to have a problem here. <laughs> uh, big problem. And cat, cat allergies are way worse than dog. Their dander goes everywhere. I mean, you, you lock up. Your throat will lock up. You'll go into anaphylactic shock. I've seen it before. Anyway, so he hits the, you know, the thing for the stewardess. Ding! And the stewardess comes over, and he alerts her that she, he is deadly allergic to cats. And as they're talking, he, she can't really understand him. He still has kind of a, it's not a language barrier. He's got an accent. He takes his mask down. And she says, okay, sir, we'll sort it all out. Can you please put your mask back on? And I'm like, what the, f- are you kidding me? This is where we're at now. This dude is, ch- he's already starting to choke up. There's a cat here killing him. And you're talking about masking up. He can barely breathe anyway. I won't get into exactly what I told her because I, I need to get into all that. But I am not about this action. Not by a long shot. I should have been like, you know what, sweetie, get your husband on the phone. That's what I should have said. Anyway, (laughs) and I am not sexist at all. As a matter of fact, I hope one day when my wife becomes a nurse practitioner, I'll be a stay-at-home dad and I'll brag about it. I'll get a tramp stamp that says stay-at-home dad and I'll be proud. That's right. Start drinking at 11. Anyway, so long story short, this guy is not forced, but voluntarily goes to the back of the plane. He has to get as far away from this cat as possible. As this is happening, my world is spinning. I'm like, what are you talking about? Get this cat off this fucking plane. All right, what is this? Snakes on a Plane was a great movie. Now we got cats on a plane? It's a bad movie. And I had a first row seat. So I ended up getting in an argument with the lady and, and, and the stewardess. And I'm, I, I could not believe this is happening. Get this cat. And what about the legal ramifications? This is an actionable situation. What happens if we're midway air and this and he starts to choke up? What now? I mean, I'd be suing the air. I'd be suing everybody. It's ridiculous. So he goes to the back of the bus. Dude comes up next to me. He's like, I guess it's my lucky day. I was like, I hope you're not allergic to cats. He's like, no, I love cats. I'm like, sick. Me too. I have two cats. Long story short, this is where we are in society right now with this. The cat has more rights, basically, then the person, get that thing off this plane or put it in a kennel, like Coach O said, in the first class cargo compressed section like normal people. First of all, normal people don't even bring their cat with them. What is it, a service cat? Bro Exotic's going to have a very interesting take on this. Believe you me. His take is so woken, it, 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 it's going to set new record. The woke meter is going to crack a dime. It's going to go over 10. The Richter scale will be... Epic. It'll be like that movie 2012 where California like falls into the biggest sinkhole in the world. Okay, anyway, get to the point, Belts. Get to the point. The Little League World Series. The Little League World Series is a American and actually international phenomenon. It gets more press than most sports 
professional sports and 20 times more than college baseball, if you can believe that. Well, believe it. Little League World Series, the odds of getting there are lottery odds. The odds of winning it are almost astronomical. And you have a better chance of almost playing in the Super Bowl than you do in the College World Series. Let me repeat that. You have a better chance of playing in the Super Bowl than you do in the College Baseball World Series. And I'll tell you why. And we'll get into the corruption, cover-up, and catastrophe that was the Jackie Robinson West team from the East, from South, excuse me, from inner city Chicago in 2014. But in order to understand that, you have to understand this. So let's talk about college baseball real quick to understand the odds or how difficult this actually is. The NCAA tournament is extremely difficult to win. You could be one all year. You could be undefeated. Then you still have to win a litany of games to get to the end, and they're all difficult versus really good teams on a neutral court. All bets are off. No pun intended, but it's very difficult. But it's not nearly as hard as the College Baseball World Series. The College Baseball World Series is very underviewed, underwhelming from society, although it's one of the greatest things ever. I've frequented Omaha for the College World Series, LSU being a perennial powerhouse. For those of you who don't know, now you know. So in order to get to the College Baseball World Series in Omaha, you need to get through a regional. Now, there's four teams in each region. Host a regional, you have to be pretty damn good. And then if you manage to get out of that regional with the four really good teams, then you win the distinct honor of going to the super regional. Now you're either going to host that super regional or you're going to travel to someplace hosting the super regional. Let's say LSU was good enough to host a regional, not the super, and they get out of the regionals. Then they go to, let's say, A&M, and they have to beat them two out of three times in order to advance to Omaha. The odds of even getting to Omaha are nearly astronomical. Getting out of the regionals is one thing. The super regionals is another thing. And then when you get to Omaha, the best eight teams on the planet are sitting there waiting. And if you lose the first game, you're basically done. Only 12 teams in the history of the College World Series have came out of it after losing the first game, the last most recent being Oregon State, my Beavers. Not my Beavers, but I kind of root for them because of my buddy, good customer I met up there. Big fan, gave me his hat. Interesting program. I'm an LSU fan, obviously. But... Oregon State's interesting, and they, they play each other an awful lot, Oregon State being a perennial powerhouse in college baseball. If you lose the first game, you're nearly done. And if you win the first game, you still have to end up winning. Oregon State won six in a row to win it. That's, that's ridiculous. My point is it's very difficult. Well, the Little League World Series is even more hard for many reasons. There's 10,000 teams, 10,000 teams that are going to try to whittle down to 16 in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. 10,000. And in order to get there, it makes getting to Omaha kind of look like Minnie Mouse. Makes it, it's way more difficult. In order to get to the Little League World Series in Williamsport to be one of those 16 teams, here's how it goes. First, you have to basically win your district. Now, the district is comprised of the best teams, excuse me, the best players of all teams to form an all-star team of an all-star team of an all-star team. It's kind of like super inception. It's a, it's a great team. It's a good team within a great team within the best in the district. Okay, it is a, it is a, they, these kids are really, really good. There's not much politics in who plays. Everybody wants to win. So the best players typically make it on these teams, typically speaking. Except for Kennett Recreational Department where I got jobbed. That's okay. It's neither here nor there. <laughs> I wasn't nearly good enough to play in that. But if you win your district, then you go to sectionals. And if you win your sectionals, then you go to state. If you win your state, you have to go to regionals. If you win regionals, if you win, then you can go to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. The Jackie Robinson West team of 2014 was a phenomenon. First of all, it was the first black team to ever make it to the college or to the 
Little League World Series. And they were a, I'm going to repeat that, a phenomenon. I don't even watch the Little League World Series. But this year caught so much hype. And there were so many stories. I watched basically all of it. And I watched this team crush teams. This is how good this team was. After they, they, qual- they won there, easily got out of their district. But in order to win the district, they had to play this one team coached by a man named Chris James. Remember that name. We'll be circling back to him. And they won districts 43-2. to Let me repeat that. They won that game 43-2 to in four innings. <laughs> and mercy ruled them. They mercy ruled everybody. Now, they did this, though, without all the common stereotypes that would be um, labeled to an all-young black inner-city team. They were amazing. They had a great sportsmanship. They were great in front of the reporters. They were humble. You just can't tell kids to get out, and they're going to hit. Get them out. It's not like they were trying to embarrass them. They just, you're not going to get out. You're going to always try to hit. That's what you do in baseball. I don't care what they say. I don't care what the score is. You get up there, you try to get yours. I have no problem with them annihilating them uh, teams 43-2. to two. But they were graceful about it. And it was a great story. Inner city kids beating the crap out of all these white teams with, I mean, let's, it, it, it's a fact. Better facilities, parents have more money, better equipment. And this is actually something that was talked about. I'm not stereotyping them as being poor. Joe Biden did that when he, see, the president of the United States already did that when he said, you know, the poor kids are just as bright and smart as the white kids. Thanks, Joe. He's not racist, though. No. <laughs> so then they get to the states. These are the best teams. After they, they annihilate teams in the districts, they annihilate everyone in the sectionals. They, they mercy rule everyone. We get to the state. Now you're playing against the best teams, hundreds of teams. It, it, you, you crush them all. They get there. They win states 29-2 to in four innings. They destroy Indiana in the regionals. And if you look back... From their run from the regionals to the sectionals, to, excuse me, to districts, to sectionals, to state, and then regionals, they outscored their opponents 186 to 28. 186 to 28. They were a massacre fest, and they beat the shit out of everybody. And again, it was incredible because they did it with grace. I followed this very closely. Maybe I remember thinking like, how can this team be this good? Is it because they're black? No. I don't care if they were Asian, yellow, Mexican, white. I don't care if they were from Holland. I don't care if they were all transsexual or pansexual, as Bro Exotic, Bro Exotic likes to say. I could care less. They just It's tough to annihilate the best of the best. These games are typically really close. These Little League World Series games getting up out of sectionals because the competition, they're all so good. But this team was just 10 times better than the best of the best. It was just, maybe they're just that good. Fun to watch. DJ, I remember that, uh, that, that center fielder they had. DJ Butler making circus catches out here, looking like Ken Griffey Jr. gunning people, making, I mean, robbing home runs. They just had a fun, were fun to watch, rolling double plays. Extremely well coached. My God, they, they rolled two triple plays. How do you roll a triple play when the base path is like, what is it, 10 feet? I'm kidding. I think it's 45 feet. or I don't know what the Little League World Series is. It's tough to run a triple play in normal baseball, let alone when the bases are at shorter distances. Whatever. That's neither here nor there. But this team was a wrecking machine. I think you understand. They roll their way to the college baseball – or I got to stop saying it. The Little League Baseball World Series. Roll – and I mean roll their way in there. 
And I'm watching all these games. And so is ever. So is this is the most loved, most watched, most popular Little League World Series team in the history of mankind. And it would draw over 15 million, over almost somewhere between. I don't remember the exact numbers. It was tough to find that, but 15 to 20 million people were watching this team. And it was also significant because if you remember, Moni Davis was also involved. Moni Davis, the African American female who was throwing 71 miles an hour with a cut fastball who threw a shutout in the College Baseball World Series, who was nasty, freak show nasty. I'm talking about some of the most dirty pitches I've ever seen. An overhand for a girl, like, that's difficult. That's not exactly natural for them to do that. She was insane good. So you throw that in there, Moni Davis on all these shows. She was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and you got the Jackie Robinson team, and you combine that, and now you have a frenzy. If you didn't know, now you know. So they play, and Moni Davis's team would actually end up losing, but that still didn't add, take away from the momentum. Jackie Robinson would play the, the team from Las Vegas in the first round, and they lost. They lost in the first round. Now, remember me saying what it's like to get out of the College World Series with eight teams when you lose. Get into the loser's bracket in the, in the Little League World Series. Now it's not even possible to win this thing. It's almost impossible. You're going to have to exhaust so much pitching. These kids' arms are young. You're going to end up throwing a second baseman on the mound at some point. It, it, it's just not mathematically feasible or possible to come out of it with 16 teams, let alone eight in Omaha. The 16 in Williamsport makes it, you have a fraction of a percentage to win. It's never happened. Well, they got their way out of that loser's bracket and played Vegas again in the championship. And they won it on a last the play, the last play, you can go YouTube this, was a double play that looked like something you'd see from the Yankees. I mean, it, it, these kids were so polished, so well coached, so good at baseball. It was fun to watch. And I'm not into watching 10-year-olds play. It's not my thing. Okay, wait, you know what I mean. <laughs> Got to be careful these days. I'd rather watch maybe high, maybe high school, but definitely college and pro. But this, these kids were phenomenal. So... They win the whole thing. They ended up losing to South Korea in the international championship, but they were still the national champions, and that's when this all started. They went to Disney World. It was fully covered. People were donating money just to their – they had a couple causes. People were giving them money, and this was before all the GoFundMes and everything. They would have made a billion dollars had that been in there, but – and I had no problem with any of that, nor should you. And, then, you know, these kid, inner-city kids, what's wrong with this? I mean, people had problems with this, which we'll get into. I thought it was great. I followed the story. They went on Oprah. Of course, Oprah, being from Chicago, uh, took them and ran the most powerful woman on the planet. Uh, she took the, them under their wing. They went on The View. They went all the way to the White House to meet President Obama and Michelle Stay there overnight, get pictures. I mean, does it get any bigger? You're with the leader of the free world, the commander-in-chief, all from your Little League World Series team with the most unbelievable run nearly in the history of sports. What could possibly go wrong? Hmm. Let's go back to that district game. They won 43-2. And let's talk about that coach I mentioned, Chris Janes. Now, was this racially motivated? We don't know. I have no idea. But we do know one thing. This dude didn't like getting his ass whipped by nine touchdowns in a baseball game. So he started doing some research. He started digging. And he claims that they cheated and filed a lawsuit versus the Little League World Series claiming corruption in a child's game. 
And first of all, you'd think, like, really, dude? Are you that bored? Apparently he was. And apparently he's a real shitbag, as we'll get into that. But the point is, is that from this came one of the biggest, unbelievably massive scandals in the history of organized sports, as far as I'm concerned. So he gets countersued. There would be 50 lawsuits. There's lawsuits everywhere. He's suing them. They're suing baseball. The Little League World Series, and they're counting, and then there's a civil suit here, and then there's a class action over here. It, it's the litany, so many lawsuits going on, it's almost impossible to follow it. I won't bore you with all that. I'll give you the nitty gritty, though. This dude came under fire, death threats. They, everybody came after him, it, saying that he was a racist. He very well could have been, we don't know. But one thing is for sure is he was right because they cheated. It wasn't the kids that cheated, it was the adults that cheated in a child's game. Adults cheating in a child's game. Pathetic. I don't blame the kids one bit. Did they even really know? And if they did, who cares? What are they supposed to do? Not play? I would have played. I would have been like, shit, I don't care. Let's win this thing. I'm trying to go to the White House, son. I'm trying to meet Barry. Barry and Michelle. So, how did this all happen? In short, what happened was, is as time went on, this story got a little more hairy and hairy and hairy. And the media covered this whole thing up. We've talked about the corruption. There's the cover-up. Deflect at all cost, because this narrative is too good. A young black team won it all. Don't tell me they didn't. You're a racist if you think otherwise. I remember it started to unfold. It started to get a little Duke lacrosse Uh-oh, stories are changing. Race is involved. Um... All of a sudden, coaches start changing their opinion. Lawyers start getting a little more hot. The media doesn't say a word, though. You had to follow this real close on Twitter. And other people, independent people, started picking up on this. And the media wouldn't report anything. And then we find out that local Chicago districts would be throwing parades for the individual kids. How is that possible? They all have to be from the same district. That is a universal rule. You make your all-star team from the designated districts. You cannot make an all-star team from the state of Illinois. It's not how this works. Well, that's what they did. They were so brazen about this that the local districts were having parades for the individual children that were on that team. How can you have, let's just put things in ABC terminology, how can you have a parade for Johnny in District 1 and have a parade for, you know, DJ in District 2 you should have a parade all for them in District 1 because that's where they reside, right? Wrong. They doctored up the districts. When they presented a map and said to Little League World Series in the media, you see they're all from this district, everyone said, okay, look, look at this picture. They're all there. They didn't take the time to check the boundaries and parameters, and lo and behold, they doctored it up. They expanded it. They cheated and they threw those kids on an illegal baseball team. How pathetic is that? And then the catastrophe, the coup de grace. The media continues to not report this until one person did on the biggest stage, on ESPN. And this made me change my opinion about the man because he's a black man. And he was all about this team the whole time, but he was the first one to do his job. So finally, we get some sort of subjective reporting from the sports media, especially on Woke SPN, Stephen A. Smith was the first one to blow the whistle. And that was a freight train stopper. Whoa, what, what, Stephen A.? That's right, Stephen A. Smith.
You can go look at all this on YouTube. And when he did that, that forced Little League Baseball to reopen the investigation. And then James is like, see, I told you. I told you. And then that's when it all started. Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, go to Chicago. All these priests saying, no, 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 no. You, you can go look at all this. It's not, it's not racially charged. They're saying they doctored this up. Yes, it was. And then the proof was just so brazen. It was so blatant that they sued. And then the parents sued Stephen A. Smith for defamation of character. But then that was thrown out by a federal judge, thank God, for, uh, for speech protection in the First Amendment. Too bad that's not one of the federal judges that could have been in Fulton County when they started recounting those votes and wanting to go to the corruption. Oh, never mind. That's neither here nor there. But this federal judge actually did his job uh, and upheld. So Stephen A. was obviously, they dropped the lawsuits for Stephen A. and ESPN. But the point of the story is, the point of all this is, is that throughout blatant proof of this dude knowing they doctored it up, the media was like, no, 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 we're not going to talk about this. Doesn't fit the narrative, right? Never does. We're going to still say they're champions. Well, Little League Baseball came down and said the evidence is so blatant we're going to have to strip them of their title. And not only did they strip them of their title, they disbanded that district's team for life. The Jackie Robinson West baseball team died that day. And I hate to say it, perhaps rightfully so, because you robbed a lot of kids of their potential dream to get to Williamsport because you put together an all-star team of an all-star team of an all-star team of an all-star team. And the other kids may have done that. We don't know. A lot of people are saying investigate all of them. Well, when you start beating teams 50 to 2 and 65 to nothing, you're going to draw a little attention to yourself, I guess. I don't know. Can't penalize them for being amazing, but that will draw attention. And this dude took it all the way to the top. This dude, James, is a real piece of shit, though. He would end up getting arrested for assault. He went into someone else's house drunk, beat one of his neighbors up, and said he thought it was his house. So he's a piece. I'm not going to defend him, but he was right. They did cheat. Because the narratives we get are so stupidly skewed, things are covered up. And you see the corruption, the cover-up, and the catastrophe that happens. Well, we have all of that right now. now I'm not going to get too deep into this, but the Atlanta shooting. I'm not going to say anything original here, but I'll try. Eight people were shot. Five were Asian, two were white, one was Mexican or Hispanic. If one more person that wasn't Asian was shot, that would be 50%. We have not heard a damn thing about the two white guys or the Hispanic, only the five Asians. And the narrative then being, this is a racially motivated killing. Even though the killer said, it's not that I'm a sex addict, the killer who's going to get die of the death penalty, certainly, and should, absolutely, they should just shoot him now, get it all over with. Uh, but the killer admits he didn't do it racially motivated, but that's not good enough for the media. No, 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 no. Don't tell me. I, we know more than you about what you thought. It was racially motivated. And they just go off. Oh, my God. And then Biden and Kamala Harris fly to Atlanta. Are you shitting me? What are you doing? We've got bigger problems than Asian. You want to see a real stat? Look at black on Asian violence in America. It's overwhelmingly insane. This is what started a lot of the riots in the 80s. Asians having those liquor stores in black communities. Jesse Jackson saying, you're killing us on purpose. Sir. All this stuff. This has been going on for decades. But no, now all of a sudden, it's white people killing Asians. Are you kidding me? Can we have an adult conversation? Apparently not. And the media runs wild. Wild. Then, as you know recently, unfortunately, it looks like a Muslim or someone, that's what it looks like, shoots 10 white people. And it's not about Muslim hate. This is not a hate crime now. It's about gun control. Can we have an adult conversation? 
Biden gets up there and talks about gun control. Let me tell you something. You want to talk about gun control? You're never going to take the guns away from people. That would actually start the Civil War. But I'll tell you this. And I, I could go either way on automatic weapons. But, uh, but, but, but whatever. I've already... You could do it. If you, could, if you know how to handle a Glock 9 and you had a few magazines on you, you could do just as much damage as an automatic weapon. You don't even need to be a crack shot. You just have to be able to reload quick. I've seen people reload handguns in, in insta-seconds. So we, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but much like the Colorado movie theater shooting and much like this shooting, they both took places in, in areas where Colorado forbids concealed carry. Hmm, that's interesting. The, the guy in the movie theater, he drove two and a half hours away from his house to do that. Knowing if he did it in a normal movie theater, someone might have blown, blown his brains out. If someone in that store would have had a gun, he could have ended this. And normally people that carry guns are very, very mild-mannered people with no criminal record, obviously, tax-paying people who are just normal, both Republican, Democrat, white, and black. But the problem here is not gun control. That's not what I'm talking about. Because if there's gun control, we talk about the black-on-black violence in every major city that happens by the minute. So obviously that's not the problem. But the, the narrative now has switched. Much like it did, here's the cover-up. Remember? It's a Trump supporter. He's a Trump supporter. The fake news goes out, and then they find out it's not. And they're like, oh, shit. Okay, uh, gun control. Gun control. Uh, uh, they, they didn't cheat in the Little League World Series. They didn't cheat. They didn't cheat. Yes, they did. Well, you're a white guy. You're racist, and you lost by 50 runs, so you're pissed. Oh, wait. They did cheat. Okay, now it's racism. Let's get them involved. See, just just stop. Just call balls and strikes. Report what you see. Report what's happening. I can do this. I'm doing it right now. Pretty damn good job, too. I pat myself on the back because it is ridiculous, and I'm over it, and you should be, too. This is insane. Okay, this is insane, and as a society, we are out of control. This media, I don't care if it's the Little League World Series or in mass shootings or the cover-ups. We don't talk about inner-city violence. New Orleans hasn't had a COVID death since August. Let me repeat that for you. Orleans Parish has not said had a COVID death since August. Go check it. We've had more murders in the last since January. We're on pace to break records from the early 90s. But the problem is COVID, because that's the narrative from our beloved mayor, Latoya Cantrell, aka Latoya the Destroyer. So we will continue this onslaught against the media. We want to talk more about sports. I'll get into sports. And we did talk about sports. We talked about a Little League World Series team. But at the same time, though, I mean, there's just so much more going on around us. The NCAA tournament right now, don't lie to yourself. I love Mark Matt. Without fans, it's so lame. And the masks and the cucking, just get a grip. I mean, you know, let's just call it what we call it how you see it. That's all I'm saying. It's not about Trump or Biden or anything. It's just like, what are we talking about? And again, can we have an adult conversation? Well, apparently not. Hopefully we can down the road. Let's get into some picks. New Mile of Music, and it's sick. Sick like Bro Exotic. Here we go. Last week, if you check the Instagram page, what you need to, we went four for five. We are upwards now of 60% in basketball. That's where we like to be. LSU got screwed. They should have won that game and covered, but they didn't. It went over. Oral Roberts went over easily. Kansas went over by a point. we throbbing by USC. UCLA easily under. We are rolling on there. And so is the Pac-12. What an amazing performance from that from that group so far. The only team that entered that didn't make it to the Sweet 16 was Colorado. UCLA, USC have been dominant down the stretch. Oregon's been dominant in Oregon State. What a story. And speaking of the Beavers, <laughs> my Beavers, my secondary team, somehow we're going to roll with them right now. 
They have not just been covering, they've been annihilating teams since they've been healthy. They got healthy right before the conference tournament, and guess what? They roll everyone out the gym. They are incredible. Led by Ethan Thompson, one of the best guards in college basketball. This dude can go. He is a, what a leader, what a player. If you have not watched this team, I suggest you watch extremely well coached. Great defense, a great offensive team. Zach Reichel, what's this dude? He's one of their guards, 6'5". Played 26 minutes last game, didn't score a point. Didn't have an assist, only had one rebound. His job is to lock down your best player in spot situations, and boy, does he do that. Go look at him, he doesn't even want the basketball. He just wants to take it from you. I love Oregon State, and if you, if you bet against him, I'm gonna take that money, I'm gonna get that ass. We're taking Oregon State against the mighty Loyola, Loyola with the nun, what's her name, sister whatever, she's 106. Well, I'm sorry, sister, hopefully you're around for another one next year, but they're getting bounced. I bought Oregon State in the Calcutta. We need them to win anyway so I can win more money. But we're taking them plus the six and a half, Chief. Let's roll on there. We're going to go tonight in the NIT Louisiana Tech. My boys here from Ruston. That is right, La Tech. We are a big fan of La Tech this year. Very well coached. I don't keep saying that, but when you're well coached, I'll give it to you. Eric Conkle, they are led. Great coach there. And they're led by Kobe Williams with a C. Right now he's playing with one hand. <laughs> As they play Western Kentucky, we like them at a pick. Louisiana Tech. Should have maybe went to the tournament. That was kind of a, jo a jobbing, but what's new from the tournament to dog teams from Louisiana? We'll take La Tech as a pick. We like them to win the game outright. We like them to win the whole thing, as a matter of fact. And then, one more, Villanova plays Baylor. When you think of these two teams, I know you think of defense. Why is this total so high at 140? I have no idea. But when I see something like that, even though most of these games have gone under, we're going to have to take the over, over 140. And I have one more for you. We're going to run the mile and use it back because I have something. Once again, quick recap there. Oregon State plus six and a half. La Tech of Pick'em tonight. Get on that. And Nova Baylor over 140. We are on fire. Jump on there. Major League Baseball. I am very passionate about this kid. He is not a household name. He very well should be. Had Nolan Arnato played for the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox, you would know who he is. But because he spent his career in dogshit Colorado under one of the most poorly managed teams from ownership to, to GMs I've ever seen, you probably have not heard of him. Multiple gold gloves at third base. Multiple silver sluggers. He's had over 130, 130 RBIs three years in a row. He was hurt last year and won it out, and I don't blame him. Usually I don't like that, but in this case, I'll take his back. Nolan Arnato went to the Cardinals. It has been the quietest free agent acquisition I have ever seen in my life. I'm going to make that clear. Let me repeat that. In my life. This kid is an MVP caliber player that's now playing on a championship caliber team. Finally, he got out of Colorado, and this kid is a phenomenon. He's the best defensive third baseman I've nearly ever seen. He can also play shortstop. They even threw him at second base one time. He is an unbelievable, phenomenal baseball player that does not get the credit he will. And he will now in a big, small market, as I call it. Small town, huge market, St. Louis. Nationally covered team, one of the most popular teams in the country. Nolan Arnato is going to win the MVP. I love this play at 15 to 1. Baseball starts next Tuesday, April 1st. Nolan Arnato, remember that name. He'll probably win the gold glove. He'll probably win the silver slugger. He'll win the MVP. God knows what he's going to win. But he has blessed with so much talent. It only gets better. He's like fine wine. You have a chance to watch this kid play. Oh, and by the way, he's tearing up the spring league like paper mache. He is ripping through this thing. It's pinata time, and he's got the big bet. Oregon State plus six and a half. Louisiana Tech put, uh, pick him tonight. 
Nova, Baylor, over 140. And Nolan Arnato, 15 to 1, to win the MVP. Get on it, Chief. Jen Pisaki, <laughs> press secretary, and boy, is she awesome. I mean, <laughs> all she does is say, we'll have to circle back on that one. We'll have to circle back with you. I don't think she's answered a question yet. Um, and she's a fright, by the way, soulless ginger. But recently... The comments she made about the Atlanta shooting and what she did about the Colorado shooting just reaffirms my question. Can we have an adult conversation? We can't even do that at the highest level of the press in this country. As she said, one was racially motivated and the other one was a tragic misfortune and then said we shouldn't cast judgment upon whatever his name was. It's like, no, I'm going to cast judgment now. He needs the death penalty yesterday. So you, my dear... Congratulations. I think you're the first woman. Now you're the second woman to make it, but you are white bitch of the week. The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. Bro Exotic, what's up, bro? What's going on, man? Uh, bro, exotic founder of Me Too, Mu uh, Epsilon Theta Omega Omega. What's going on, bro? Sick. If only I would have pledged to that amazing fraternity. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sure you heard what's going on. I know you have an opinion on it because I saw your name over the Twitterverse and you were talking about on Instagram how the guy sitting next to me, right behind first class, on a plane, lady comes on with a cat. He's dead, deadly allergic to cats. He has to go to the back of the plane. They switch seats. The other guy comes to the front of the plane. And basically, the cat has more rights than the person, it would seem, in this case. And you had some wild opinions. I didn't really understand what you were ranting about, but maybe you can just clarify right now exactly what is going on in the Woken community as far as the cat and the guy, myself, the whole airline thing. Just... The floor is yours. Well, uh, just to start off, dude, uh, it to most of you, you would think that this cat was a service animal to this woman. What you don't understand is the woman was actually the service human to the cat. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Well, uh, you, and you wouldn't understand this, but like I kind of know a little bit about this. So basically, there's a sub, oh there's a sub department of uh, NASA's aeronautics project to send chimps into space in 1961, and that was under uh, JFK. And uh, that sub-department was given to the U.S. Air Force to train cats how to fly planes. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and have to ask a pretty obvious question. I'm not even going to comment on that, but can you kind of expound upon the outrageous statement which you just spewed upon this podcast? I'd be more than happy to. I mean, it's well-documented at this point. Uh, oh, can, this ought to be great. Go right ahead. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even Alex Jones knows this, but uh, what's next? It's uh, It's been well documented at this point that uh, for the last 50 years, the U.S. Air Force has been training domestic felines to operate multi-million dollar military vehicles. Uh, cats thrive through the training easily. But when uh, they proceeded to test out uh, commercial cat piloted uh, piloting through uh, air travel, 
the cats quickly developed anxiety uh, and they tried to help them conquer that anxiety <laughs> by having them uh, fly with their uh, their service people. So so here we are with your you have this crazy military theory that apparently is provable, but it's a service human. This is what I want to focus on at this point. Actually, I want to focus on that and cats flying planes because I know that you can't be serious there. Even you're not that woken, but um, service humans. What exactly would be a service human? I'm not really sure. I understand what that is. The cat. So the human is there to calm the cat's anxiety. It's is that what I'm hearing? Basically, just a just a a government employee. So uh, so basically, so when who's the government employee? Just a government employee. That's all. So when um, when the Who? when the military the was uh, when the military trained cats to do this, they thrived because they were flying by themselves. They had no anxiety over it. But when they started going into commercial piloting, then they started like thinking about, oh, my God, now I'm transporting hundreds of people in this this death trap through the sky. So they, are you saying the cat is a government employee? No, no, no. So the uh, the service human is the government employee for the cat <laughs> to get over the anxiety <laughs> of flying commercial airliners. <laughs> I get it now. Yeah, I get it. Wow. So, okay. so that's how they got over that. And then basically what was experienced on that flight was that guy had to go to the back of the plane for the rights of that cat to get over its anxiety so it could be able to be a commercial pilot. Uh, pilot. Um, what is your opinion real quick on – I mean what, what would be – I mean I know that you're pretty close with PETA. Um, they're super woke. But what is – what's PETA's stance on the cat flying the plane or cats being – they having like service humans, isn't that kind of a violation of what I mean? Not at all, bro. No, they're on they're on board. No. If a cat, a cat identifies as a pilot, they want to uh, they want to you know promote that right for that cat to do that. I mean, I myself, um, through my tithing in the Church of Woke and through the help of PETA, I'm supporting my personal cat, uh, which is named Rachel uh, Catow, and uh, five years uh, in training. Uh, it's going to be flying American Airlines pretty soon, bro. Whoop, there it is. As they say, tag teams back again, bitch. All the cat has to do is identify as a pilot, and the Woken community and PETA are good to go. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely, bro. If you have an allergy to that cat, uh, time to get off that plane, bro. I'm going to have to bounce this JFK stuff off Tommy Bench. I think he might have a different opinion, but, I mean, you never cease to uh, amaze. Uh, bro Exotic, you're super Woken. Um, go ahead. Anything you want to close with, dude? Uh, yeah, man. Just uh, follow me on Instagram. I'd be uh, bro exotic. It's B R E A U X exotic. And uh, no jokes, stay woke, bro. Hey, man. Before you go, uh, I noticed you haven't posted anything in a while. You may want to get something up there about this cat. I'm not sure, but uh, just uh, keep your keep your followers up. Uh, oh, absolutely, okay? man. I'll actually have a, a good picture of uh, Rachel Catow in uh in the pilot seat. So I'll be posting that soon, bro. Sick. We'll see you next week. All right. Cheers, bro. Take care. Bro exotic. Wow. <laughs> spirit animals, support animals, support humans, spirit humans. I, I don't know. Who knows? We never know with that guy. All right. Where's Tommy Bench? Tommy Bench. What's up, Chief? Not much, pal. How you doing? That was a hard pal. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Before we begin, bro exotic is probably going to make you swerve off the road if I don't give you a caution um, warning up front. Uh, I don't know if you heard about the cat that made someone basically get kicked out of business class. You'll hear about that. But then Bro Exotic went into a whole rant about cats 
in a 1960s program with JFK being trained to fly planes or something. Do you want to hear more about this or you want to? I, I will look forward to the piece. It, it reminds me of when the government used LSD on people at the direction of the CIA. Back <laughs> in the 1960s, guy jumped out of a window in New York City. But hey, let's give the government more power while we're at it. Damn right. Well, go ahead, man. The floor is yours. All right. So we're, we're going to take a little trip back in time, about a week or so. We all remember the Grammys happening, and, and we talked a little bit about that. Wait, wait, hold, been, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Do we remember? I don't think anyone does. But maybe, because there's been you know 17,000 news cycles since then. But I just want to touch back on something. I, I, I saw a meme on somebody's Facebook page, and it's a combination of what the meme says and the person whose page it was on. So the meme, it's a picture of Pepe Le Pew, which he's the most recent fictional thing to be canceled, right? Because we're so stupid we now have to find fictional things that don't actually exist and cancel them it's a picture of pepe Le Pew, and it says why don't the 99 percent of us who aren't offended by everything quit catering to the one percent who are now again this seems like your run-of-the-mill conservative right-wing meme that would show up on any number of right-wing sites and comment sections of those of us who are three steps to the right of genghis khan right okay however it's where I saw this that caught my attention and made me think of a connection to the Grammys. It was from one of our high school teachers' Facebook pages. And he was a, he was a nice enough teacher, not going to throw his name out there, you know, protect the innocent or whatever. He was one of our science teachers, a mediocre teacher, but a good guy. I think he cared about the students. He probably could have done a little better grading test in a timely fashion. but Probably could have smoked he, a little less weed. Could have, could, have, could, have, could have toked up a little bit less. That might have helped. Who knows? I, you know, I don't know. Don't know if we have enough time to get into that. But he's undoubtedly, he was very big environmental, you know, all the, the environment was kind of his big thing. That's his big bugaboo. I'm sure he'd like to see everybody drive electric cars powered by cow farts or whatever. So he's <laughs> definitely not a member of the vast right wing conspiracy. Okay. And, and we have our meetings every third Thursday uh, behind the Watergate Hotel. But He's definitely not one of us, but he had that meme on his Facebook page. And I'm sitting there thinking, here's a guy who, who is definitely a member of the left. I, I, he's probably not a communist, but he's definitely of the left. And even he recognizes the social environment we're in where the majority of people aren't offended by everything. And it really is this small minority and not, not minority as in people of color, but just small group of people who yell and scream nonstop and just live their life to be offended. And I think this is illustrated one, this is a small snapshot of, you know, this meme on the person's page it's on. But when the ratings for the Grammys came out, they were half of what they were last year. And last year they were off 20% from the year prior. I mean, but to go down half, I think that really says something that a growing number of people are, are thrown in the towel and just saying, I don't want to deal with this. Now, even Bill Maher is right. making, making fun of the Grammys and Bill Maher, who, when I was in college, was like the ultra left wing show, is now looking more and more and more middle of the road because he doesn't want to defund the police. He doesn't want to cancel anything. Um, he's certainly not about this uh, virtue signaling Grammy bullshit that no one cares right. about. And got guys like that now are looking more and more less like who they were. And he hasn't changed a bit. He's just exactly. logical. 
Right. He's, he, he is not. There's this thing, Ben Shapiro and a lot of other commentators talk about the Overton window, which is this idea of a, a window of acceptable speech. And that window is, it, A, it's shrinking. It's getting smaller and smaller what you're allowed to say, and it's moving further and further to the left. So somebody like Bill Maher, who says, defund the police is stupid. That's not going to solve any problems. But he also believes that systemic racism is a thing. Uh, okay, fine. That's, that's a left-wing position. But then he, he is at least rational enough to say, but stepping to defund the police is ridiculous. However, because that window of acceptable speech has shifted, like you said, he has now become middle of the road, where 10 years ago, he was a pinko commie loony lefty. So very, very amazing. And then, and then one, you know, one note about the Grammys and some of the hypocrisy from the media, we're all aware of Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's performance. They essentially had sex up there on stage, right? That's empowering women because no better way to empower women than to give men something to go rub one yeah, out. Yeah, than to have but, them scissor, you know, scissor okay. Xerxes, yeah. Right, okay. So there, there's that aspect of it. But Andrew Cuomo gets a little handsy with some AIDS. Oh, man, that's what we need to throw him out of office for. Again, nobody's used the R word. And I don't think we've crossed over to aggravated sexual assault. And we don't want to throw him out of office because he's, his policies killed tens of thousands of people in nursing homes and he's, they tried to cover up the data distribution. No, it's because he was a little handsy. Not that I'd who, want my daughter hanging out with him, but. No, do, no, me neither. Do you know who Cuomo's biggest fan is right now? Oh, I did see this recently, but refresh. Yeah, I don't think you did. I'm just pulling this out. Someone did it. He's the biggest fan of Deshaun Watson you've ever seen. Because <laughs> now all of a sudden we're focused on this kid getting a handy That's a right. massage That's right. parlor. Cuomo just kind of slips away. Yep. If this dude was a Republican, they would be burning down his house. And like the number of women that keep coming out against Cuomo keeps keeps growing, but we'll never yeah. we'll never figure it out. Well, he's it's, such it's, a piece of he is a waste of protoplasm. Oh, I really don't he's not even likable if you're a Democrat. I don't even no, think anybody, no, he's no not. Is. He's not popular in the National Democrat Party. He he has a stranglehold on New York Democrat politics, but and I think he knows he, he would have a very difficult time running for president just getting out of the Democrat <laughs> primary. It's almost as good as the fact that Bill Clinton will be featured along with Vice President Harris in a a Clinton Global Initiative Roundtable about empowering women. I wish. This is one of these moments. I even told my wife. I said, Mrs. Bench, you know what would be great? If I were obscenely wealthy, and I'm sure you have to pay 50 grand to get in and sit in the audience of this roundtable and, you know, clap and all. If I were obscenely wealthy, I would pay the money to sit there and I would sneak a handful of cigars in you know, in my suit jacket pocket. And when, once he starts talking about respecting women, I swear I'd start throwing him on stage. I know I'd get thrown out and whatever, <laughs> but I'm talking if I were so wealthy, dropping 50 grand just to make a statement would be worth it. So well, I would love to see that. But anyway, we get it, we have to move on though, man. All can, right. I, can we get to a COVID reinfection? Um, we, we, we can. Should I, let, should I let you ask the ultimate question? Oh, I'm sorry. Can we have an adult conversation? Can we have an adult conversation? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we can get through this without me doing my impersonation of the, the screeching um, mask holes. And, well, no, and no, that's not the that when, when I say, can we have you have an adult conversation? It's me just implying that can with other adults, like, you know, the whole like we have to stand six feet from each other before we board the plane. But when we get on the plane, I'm two feet from you for right. three hours. I mean, come on. Like, it, it's, could we be adults? But you're an adult, so go ahead. Well, so, we'll, so we'll see. Okay, so we've long heard, I mean, for almost the entire 
we don't know the risk of reinfection. You can't count on prior infection as immunity because we don't know. I mean, I I've, I've, I've literally had a healthcare professional tell me, you know, just because you test positive for antibodies doesn't mean they'll last that long. I'm like, well, it's See, there we go. Long. You should have told it's him been... right there. Can we have an No, it, was, well, it wasn't even it wasn't even who you think it was. It was, it was not anybody I'm related to by blood or marriage. Um, it, was, it was somebody What else. I'm saying is that's a good example of saying, hey, Doc, can we have an adult conversation? Right. Hey, you Pat. sound like a child. Right. You sound like a child because it's been 100 days since I had an infection and I tested positive. So, boom, antibodies still present. Okay. So, COVID reinfection, a study from The Lancet. Now, the reason I make that point, and that's germane to the discussion, is if you were to bring this up from any other news source than, say, The Lancet, The New England Journal of Medicine, maybe Science or Nature magazine, right? If, if you referenced anything outside of those, you know, the holy four, the, the, um, not the triduum, whatever, whatever the word for four is, uh, you know, holy books that are out there that, that the establishment, the oracles, our, our vaunted oracles of public health revere, they, they just reject what you say. Okay, so study in the Lancet. Now, what's amazing is uh, this, this study, it looked at Denmark, apparently they had very good data on people who were tested at this time period, and then they were retested. So they're able to compare, they had the right set of data and it's a small enough set, you know, several million versus hundreds of millions. So it was, it was big enough, but also small enough at the same time to be a good data set. Okay, so they look at it. They look through it. Nearly a half million people tested. 11,727 people test positive during the first wave in Denmark. During the second surge, they retested all those 11,727. 72 people tested positive. That is less than 1%. Now... I already, I can already hear it. I can already hear it. Well, bitch, statistics, it's not that simple. You have to account for the fact that some people weren't exposed. And, <laughs> okay, but I guarantee for as many people as you said, well, they, we don't know if they were exposed. There were people who fell into the other category who were exposed that you didn't count. So I, I have a feeling that kind of comes out in the wash. Because in other words, you can't just say, well, all the other people didn't get it because they had immunity. If they, le- if they legitimately weren't exposed, you have to try to account for that somehow, but my contention would be the, the things you are accounting for are offset by things you might not be accounting for. Okay, so even if it's four or five times higher than that 0.6%, it's still on par with uh, the vaccines. Now, there were some breakdowns by age. People who are older uh, tended to have a higher risk for reinfection. Okay, makes sense. Older people, things aren't working as well. I think we could all agree with that. One thing the study didn't look into is how severe was the second case? In other words, was the second case more severe than the first? Was it offset? Because by the way, even when you get the vaccine, they acknowledge you still might get COVID, but the benefit of having the vaccine is it'll be a much less severe case. And there's a lot of data, especially out from Israel now, that says the vaccinated people, uh, the percentage, there's like a 99% drop in death rates among people who've been received both doses of the various vaccine regimens. So all, all of that to say, I'd be curious what the second state, what the second um, case was in relation to the first case in terms of severity. But here's the thing: even in this article, and it's one of these very dense academic, you know, got the abstract, the findings, and then very dense language. You, you got to kind of know what you're reading for, and it, it takes a little while to chew through it. The author's bias is shown in the interpretation. The interpretation is like a one or two sentence. It's, it's what you present to lay people who are not going to read through all the technical um, uh, findings and, and study information. 
So th- I'm going to read it word for word. Our findings could inform decisions on which groups should be vaccinated and advocate for vaccination of previously infected individuals. And this is the important part, because natural protection, especially among older people, cannot be relied on. Now, hold on. I just got done re- understanding that 72 out of 11,000 people tested positive for reinfection, even if it's five times that, right? Even if it's 400 people, that's, that's still pretty good. That's on par with vaccine. What, what do you mean it can't be uh, maybe relied on, but it's a factor. And it's so, and this just goes along with this whole, it is so annoying that we continue to have these people running around making scientific pronouncements. And if you even challenge them, just using observational data and say, well, you keep saying these people, they get both doses of the vaccine, yet they should continue wearing masks. But you also say two weeks after the second shot, they're essentially immune for all intents and purposes. So, so they're healthy. And in no other pandemic in history have we ever advocated for healthy people wearing masks. So what's the point of, of continuing to wear the mask once you're post-vax? Like it just, it belies common sense. And, well, it's, and again, I, can I revert back to our question? The answer is no, we cannot. No, we, we cannot, cannot have, have it. No, because if you, if you question the chosen, the elect, the few who have, you know, in the name of the Fauci, the Biden and the Harris, if you, if you deign to question, you will be ostracized. You will be exiled to Elba like Napoleon, and you will not be allowed to come back and conquer Europe and get most of the way to Moscow. I think they canceled Napoleon in France. I'm pretty sure. I I think I, I'm sure they canceled him. I'm sure they canceled him. So it's just, it's, it's another example of here's something that comes out. It's hard data. Okay. If I point to it in a discussion with some people, they'll be like, well, you can't, you're misinterpreting the data. Okay. And you're not doing that. All right. So moving on, but slightly related wall street journal had an article, extreme stress pandemic related hair loss. Apparently doctors are seeing an increase in people hair. loss. I read this. Let Let me just cut to the chase. If you're facing extreme stress related to COVID, you're doing it to yourself now. You are doing it to yourself. Go to Look, a massage tell, parlor. Relieve the get, stress. Right. Get shot by a Look, Muslim. Guys, but say, get, yeah, right. too soon. Too soon. Tell him your name. Is that a Muslim? Sean. Wait, no, wait. The Muslim was in Colorado. The, the, in Colorado, right. It was just a, frustra- yeah. a sexually frustrated white guy. In get shot, get shot um, by a sexually frustrated, crazy white right, guy. Right, right guy. Or tell him your name's Deshaun Watson and put it on the tab. Ooh. Apparently, he's got tabs running. He's at racking up but, tabs, baby. But people who are still and, – and, and, and again, especially now because, by the way, if you're one of these people who's scared to death of this and you've been you know, sanitizing your Amazon packages and putting the newspaper in the microwave and doing all these lunatic things for the last excuse, year. Wait, sorry, excuse, Brett, I'm sorry to do it. Putting your what in the microwave? I'm sorry. Newspaper. That was a thing at one point. I think there are still people who do it. Oh, we yes. certainly can't have adult conversations with them. No, um, no, we can't. We can't. Wow. How, how could you even – But. If you're still be functioning in that environment, first of all, you should you genuinely should seek mental health because there's no there's no science data or anyone who's saying that the coronavirus is that transmissible through contact. Okay, one, two. What is it doing for you? And first of all, if you're one of those people, you're probably eligible for the vaccine because you're either older or you have a health condition. So why haven't you gotten stuck yet? By the way, 130 million doses have been administered. So I don't want to hear any well. I can't. No, no. 130 million shots have gone in arms. So it's possible to go get it if you want it. Closing, closing out this evening, 
I think you got to ask the question again because this is an adult topic. We're going to move on. So, so do you want to ask the question again? No, no, I don't. I think people get the picture there. I just don't want to keep interrupting right. you. But when I, so, just so when people understand, when I say again to reiterate, can we have an adult conversation? It just goes to show the insanity that is the world today. As in, like me talking to a stortus about how a man has to go to the back of the plane because he's allergic to a cat. I, I don't want to blow for it. You haven't heard it yet. I haven't talked to you about it yet, but we can only have adult conversations with certain adults anymore. It's kind of like how I talk to my three-year-old. I feel like I can have a more coherent conversation with her than I can a 40-year-old, which is unbelievable. Well, because she probably understands that boys are boys and girls are girls, which puts her well, in miles the, in, ahead of... In the of... words of that kid from Kindergarten Cop, boys have penis, <laughs> girls have vagina. Right. Thanks for the tip. All right, let's talk so, about George the, Floyd the, trial here. The, 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 the George Floyd trial. All right. We got, about, so three, I was, we got about three or four minutes here, Bench. I'll, I'll bring it home. I'll bring it home. So I was thinking about this, right? You know, apparently... They, they have seated a jury. They've gone through the jury selection process. Let me tell you how that conversation would go. Uh, Mr. Carroll, uh, is there anything that would prejudice your ability to make a decision on this? Uh, yes. The fact that you use my name and it's now a matter of public record, I can tell you I'm going to vote guilty. Oh, why is that? Because I know that if my name is a part of public record and it gets out that I voted not guilty or, or somebody insinuates that I likely voted not guilty or anything other than guilty, on the most extreme charges, I, I would be in genuine fear for my family, for my family, my livelihood, my well-being. I, I, I'm really curious, and I was talking to an attorney about this, and, and, and what I suspected was accurate, which is eh, every state's a little bit different, and there are restrictions that can be put on jurors while executing their duties of a juror. But once the trial is concluded and the, and the verdict has been handed out, there's nothing that restricts jurors from running right to the first camera they can and say, I'm so-and-so and I voted guilty, but this guy over here. Yeah, I already have. That, that happened that, in the that, Trayvon Martin case. That, right. That happened there. Right. Uh, what, I would do is, what I would do is, if I was, first of all, I, let's be honest, what a horrible jury to be on. Oh, I know. That is life-changing. I'd already have to tell my family to move. And even after objectively looking at what happened, even though we already know enough, with, I mean, no one's taking sides here. I mean, no one was seen one die. No one's no one's taking the back of the idiot. No, but but the and... fact is, but but the fact I'll make this statement. The fact is this: second degree murder is going to be extremely difficult to objectively. It's going to be almost impossible. The, yeah, if they would have gone for involuntary manslaughter, I think it'd be a slam dunk. But I I think second degree is going to be a stretch too far. Third degree is a you know maybe a sixty forty, uh, with only sixty a sixty percent or forty percent likelihood. I think involuntary manslaughter is a slam dunk because it, just the, the elements of the crime better fit that in terms of, but for Derek Chauvin's actions, would George Floyd have been alive? I think you can argue, maybe. The defense is, of course, going to argue, well, no, he would have died anyway due to the amount of drugs in his system. But, but that's a kind of subjective metric. You know, I know everybody likes to say, oh, you had enough to kill a horse. It's not that clear cut, you know, because somebody who's built up a tolerance to certain drugs can have higher amounts of it in concentrations in their system. So that's not as clear cut. And that's why I think, but second, I mean, second degree murder is like Derek Chauvin was hoping he would die. And I think that's going to be really hard to prove. And I think it's going to be hard to prove that the other cops are accessories to murder. They could definitely be accessories to failure to follow police policy and things of that nature. But again, if you're the governor of Minnesota, are you not going to have a hundred thousand national guard troops? I don't know. This is the next thing I was going to say. This reminds me of why I got off Facebook. 
I got off Facebook the day before the Trayvon Martin trial. I knew what the verdict was going to be, and I didn't want to deal with. I just couldn't deal with it. I couldn't because I knew I was going to drink. Get I was going to go drink six bottles of wine, log on to Facebook, and start going to war with a bunch of kids and went to high school with. And I'm just the thing is, it's just like, well, we all want to see justice served whenever justice needs to be served, but we want to make sure that justice is served correctly. I mean, that's just a right. normal. That's a normal mentality for any. Any anyone in the world, not just an American, but anyone. But the thing is, is in this case, you already know what's going to happen. Second degree murder is not going to happen. And I'll tell you what's going to happen, though. You know what's going to happen. And you said 100,000. Make it 150,000. I'd put the whole National Guard out there. And if I was a business owner in St. Paul, Minneapolis area, I'd be bracing for impact right now. I'd, I'd, I'd be, be looking to move. This. I'd be like, all right. I'd be we need to looking move, to move. We need to move this business to Mendona Heights. Or something. We need to get this shit. We need to get this shit out of here because it's going right. down. Well, that that, or if you're an insurance carrier, I'm calling everyone and just canceling <laughs> your your commercial liability, even though they usually don't cover riots and civil disturbances. But that, or I'm gonna I'm gonna call you up and say, hey, we have this new product we're offering. It's called the George Floyd Verdict Insurance Rider, and for this pretty penny, we will cover whatever. Yeah. Do you want riot insurance specifically related to this event? Um, <laughs> It, you know, it's going to be a lot, but that way, if they, you know, totally destroy your business, um, we're going to we'll cover all your losses. But it's just it's 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 pathetic and it's sad that as a country we've gotten to this point where you it's predictable. You know what's going to happen. Anything short of in fact, when it when 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 the general population finds out that he didn't get first degree murder and they're not hauling him right to an electric chair there's going to be riots. So it, it's, <laughs> there's almost no, it's, it's a lose, lose, lose situation. Um, and it's not going to be about getting to the truth of what actually happened. It's, it's going to be about painting a narrative and reinforcing already uh, determined narratives. So anyway, the, the, the place I'd least, least like to be right now is on the George Floyd jury. You know, right if now. I was in jury duty and they asked me what my favorite movie was, I'd say Clint Eastwood's Hang Em High. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure if you do that, you, you can't do that. I think that's contempt. But uh, there is no way. If I get called in for jury duty, I'm going to be so outlandish. <laughs> There's no way. I think I get called in I think for that a or... trial. I'm going to be like, no, nah, dog, no. Nah. I think you, you walk in with a MAGA hat on. <laughs> <laughs> just, we might as well just, just cut to the chase and throw that MAGA hat on oh my and, and say, I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to be Law here. Law and order. Is there a black Law man on trial? Oh, I'm in. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm in. They'd be like, yeah. you're out. Great. Perfect. Oh, my God. Civil duty, my ass. Jerry. They should pay you if you and I know we got to run. But if you get caught up and I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I say this, one of my friend's dads six years ago. All right. In Ohio was stuck in a in a jury duty. They don't tell you what it is. You don't know what it is. You know, it was right. like one of the most like controversial, like triple homicides. He was out of work for one hundred and twenty. It was one of the longest stints. And, you know, they, he, you make like nine dollars and nine bucks a week or something stupid. The federal government should reimburse you if you're they should give you back all the money you would have because you, your job's not. Wait, is that how that works? I don't think your job's paying. You, right? I, I, well, the, the, I think every state's a little bit different, but I do think some employers do have an obligation to provide time, all, you know, reasonable accommodation and all that kind I don't of know. stuff. I just know so, that I'm, I'm walking in there with that. Yeah, my favorite movie is Clint Eastwood's Hang Em High. Yeah, Maggie Hang Hang, high. Yeah, the whole thing just looked like a total nut. And then you probably get cut. All right, we went long, but it's okay. Great segment. Anything you want to close with there, Bench? 
No, just looking forward to another fun week of news cycles that we'll be able to recap next week on the Sports Antidote. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. At the Sports Antidote. We'll see you next week, Chief. All right. Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope episode number 41. Be sure and follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Be sure and follow me, Danny underscore Belts on Instagram. Danny Belts. Follow Bro Exotic. Rate, subscribe, and review, and tell some people about the pod. You know who would like it. You know who wouldn't, but you know who would like it. So you do me a favor, boys. You take them plays, you take Arnado, and you keep it real, Antidotians.